time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. Today, we are going to be having a conversation that is actually very important to me now coming up soon um, because this is the next chapter of my life. Uh, Not officially yet, not announcing anything, Um, but this is the next chapter of my life. So I'm very excited to have this conversation both from a personal and professional perspective. Um, I have another therapist on the show to talk about parenting and keeping your relationship thriving. So Ellie Weinstein, Will you introduce yourself for everyone listening, please? Hey, what's going on, everyone? First of all, I have to say, it's not fair that you have an unbelievable last name to make (laughs) a podcast name, like the right conversation. Like, what am I, the Weinstein conversation? It's pretty boring. So, like, you know, (sighs) so that's the first off. But my name is Ellie Weinstein. I'm a therapist (laughs) out in Vegas, licensed in both Vegas and New York. Grew up in New York, moved out here in summer 2022. Married to a wonderful, amazing woman, Ariella, with two beautiful kids, uh, the Rickster, as I call her, and the little dude. Um, it's Max and Ricky. That's their name. And, uh, you know, when I became a dad, I didn't have any direction and knew what the hell I was doing, like most parents. And I wish I heard things that I might say today or other people say about parenting and relationships that would have saved me. And my wife, probably one of the hardest years we had in our marriage, which was the first year of my daughter's life. Um, so I'm excited to be here and talk about it. I have a masterclass coming out at the end of this month of May. And in oh, the amazing. Ma- at the end of May about this topic as well. So party. Woo-hoo. Fabulous. Oh, I can't wait to dive in. Okay. So let's just rip the bandaid off. What made it the hardest year of your life? It was that we had no idea what we were doing as parents on how to balance that as well as how to connect because we were just so tired, so overwhelmed, and just such a shift of our entire life that we didn't know how to deal with that shift and where we all fit in. So there was like a lot of yelling, screaming, frustration, annoyance, resentment, all these kind of classic, as in the relationship world, the four horsemen of, you know, struggles in relationships. Um, It was like coming up. We were just like, I remember, and my wife and I, we talk about this often, so it's not something pretty hidden. Our anniversary that year was one of the hardest anniversaries we had. It was just like, not that we were getting divorced and not no, that we were course. ending our relationship. Yeah. It was just one of the hardest arguments we've ever had because we were just at our ends and didn't know how to tell each other what we needed. We didn't know how to express ourselves and really go into that. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I need from you, from both sides. It was just yappity, yappity, argue, argue, yell, yell because we didn't know how to deal with it. So that's why it was one of the hardest things. And, and and our daughter, you know, now that I have a second kid, our daughter slept amazing. So like four <laughs> to five hours at a time, my son killed us. He slept like one to two hours at a time. So oh. our daughter like slept four to five hours at a time. So we were just, you know, and just like the different lifestyle, how to have friends when you have kids and 
we also went through IVF. So there's a lot of stuff that went into mm-hmm. all this thing. So it was like a very mixed bag of emotions. But uh, we're okay now. We're wonderful now. So that's all that matters, you know? That's also, I think, important for people to hear because we hear sometimes about the problems or we hear about not the problems, but simply the, you know, we're great and have two kids and our family is amazing. And like this very important chapter gets omitted kind of from the description of the whole relationship. It's like a, you know, curated Instagram post, you know, you see what I show what you want. I show you exactly what I want you to see, but I don't tell everything. Let's be honest. I love my family. I love my kids and I love my wife, but it is not easy and it's hard, right? My daughter is four, almost four years old in like a month in June. Wow. She is sassy pants. Like she she owns the room. Like she thinks she owns the world, (laughs) but there are also moments where I look at her and I'm like, you are the most precious, beautiful being that I've ever been around. And you know, my son's a baby. He's a year and change. So, you know, it's still not communicating because he can't speak, but still that's a struggle, but still beautiful. And my wife and I, we still have fights. I mean, welcome. Like I'm a relationship specialist. I deal with couples on the daily. If you're not having fights, you have a huge problem in your relationship. Just like you, I'm not saying you need to have like arguments to the point of divorce and blowouts and conflict, but arguments are healthy. It means you guys are butting heads and you're trying to figure things out and help each other out and work through things. So when I see couples, I'm like, oh, we've never fought before. I'm like, you're either lying to me or your relationship's about to implode. Yeah. So I really like to talk about both sides because it shows that even as a therapist, my life is not perfect. Mm -hmm. And as a human, my life is not perfect. And no matter what anyone says on social media, life is not perfect. I don't care if you get invited to the Met Gala or, uh, you know, you're throwing the first pitch out at a baseball game or you have millions of dollars or you're just a regular person. It happens. Yep. Yep. I think that Please that's invite one of me the to the reasons. Met Gala. I want to wear, I want to have a reason to wear what uh, Pedro Pascal wore with like the shorts <laughs> and the. We'll, and not, we'll put in the request now for next year. Thank you for listening. Gucci yeah. or Versace, whoever's listening. We'll make sure that uh, Versace's PR team receives this episode. Appreciate you. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Um, totally fashion industry, you know, totally my jam. Any, anyone will tell you that. Not at all. <laughs> like I'm literally wearing t-shirts and life. joggers. It's literally my day-to-day, <laughs> my day-to-day outfit as a therapist is t-shirts and joggers. I'm wearing my high school uh, Jewish youth group religious and cultural vice president fleece. So you know, you're up, you're up and up on the, you're up and up on that, uh, you know, that fashion. Fashion. I was, I mean, I was at the Met Gala last night wearing this, so you know, I figured I would just like grace you know, your, your presence with it today. <laughs> um, no, but in, in all seriousness, it's one of the reasons why I think that, um, I was really interested in having you on the show is that, and I talked about this with, uh, Dr. Courtney Tracy, who I had on the podcast. I love her. Is She's the best. Yeah. It's not often, you know, I, as a therapist share a lot more about my life and struggles in life than most therapists share. And I've received interesting, uh, feedback around that from whether it be uh, colleagues or um, potential clients or um, family members, which is really the best kind of feedback you want to get. <laughs> uh, and I think it's so important, especially for, for us as therapists, to not have this like incredibly curated, look at my perfect fucking life, social media presence, because it's like, 
it's just not realistic. And I don't, I don't understand how it serves our clients at all. And let's be honest, if social media didn't exist, we wouldn't be doing that. Like we'd just be living our Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. and meeting our clients and being humans. Mm -hmm. But we also, there's this like need to feel to post. I remember when I first started social media, I was trying to post every day. And now I'm like, I'm going to post what I want to post and I'm going to post what I like to post and I'm going to share what I want to share and how I'm going to share it. And I do admire, you know, not to, you know, call out someone else, Courtney Tracy. I do, I do admire her a lot. She was on my show too. And I'm so excited to have you on the show later on this year, but yeah, me too. uh, The fact that she's so open about borderline personality disorder yeah, and her struggles in relationships and as a huge media presence in mental health, um, as she is, it is unbelievable to see someone just educate from a real personal experience as yeah. well as professional knowledge. And yeah. I think when I was in grad school, we were like shunned to not yes. do that. And it yeah. doesn't mean that I'm telling you every detail of my sex life and I'm not no. giving you my address and social security number <laughs> and all these other things. But it doesn't mean that one of the things that I try to emulate is I have my supervisor back in the day, Dr. Stanley Rustin. Um, uh, back in a clinic that I worked at was about your human being with a human. You need to remember that. So when we start putting ourselves as therapists on pedestals, that we are above someone or that we know better or that we are this perfect being, we lose lose the connection to another person. I think that's what the problem that people have have felt going to therapy is that they've dealt with therapists who do that, who are the blank slate removed Freudian-esque type thing When my style, and I say this all the time, I'm no BS with a lot of compassion. So I'm going to tell you how it is, have your back, but I'm going to care about you. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing it to hurt you. So I allow myself, and I always make jokes with my clients, I have one to three sassy moments in my session. (laughs) I I give myself, and I'm like, and if I go over, you get to call me out and yell at me. And they laugh, but I'm serious about it because I have one to two like sassy moments when I'm very honest and real because people are here to do work. And the same thing goes with the relationships, right? We can't be perfect. We can't be curated. We have to be real. Yep. And if we're not real, then we should just go on a dating show like Love is Blind or The Bachelor Bachelorette and have this curated production that's not real and make everyone have false impressions about relationships. (laughs) Yeah. And then have fun when you get thrust into the real world afterwards. And run and and not realize that what? This wasn't gonna work out the way I thought (laughs) to be on a TV show and relationships don't work. What? I don't understand. I used to have a podcast recapping The Bachelor uh, with my ex-husband through the lens of a couples therapist. So it would be like me and Kyle and we'd sit there and like break down the episode and the conversations. It was so fun. And then I I wanted to pull my hair out after like, I don't know. I think we did like four or five seasons and I was like, I can't do it anymore. I just want to watch it for like my numbing entertainment i like i can't talk about how this conversation could have been more effective like is but there is actually an organization that i found called i think it's called you can or yukon i'm not sure it's uh, i'm not sure which one it is okay and it's for therapists to get involved for people who are going on the show and not (gasps) and like debriefing them and helping them afterwards oh my god i have to find that immediately i'll send send it to you I, i i i emailed them um, because I always, everything, and you can ask my wife and you could talk to anyone that knows me. Whenever I watch these shows, my wife watches them and I happen to just sit down, um, and, and not pay attention, but somehow get involved and then get pulled. Oh in. yeah. You're paying attention. I'm sorry. paying attention. I know. I'm just don't admit yeah. it. Um, uh-huh. 
And I sit there and I'm like, I feel so bad for some, for yep. some of these people because they're really, some of them I think really are trying yes. and they just don't have the right direction or have never felt what it means to be in a healthy relationship. And if only there was a therapist or a relationship specialist to be there on the show with them, I feel like a lot of these relationships would be a lot more productive and actually work out in the end. Yes, I agree with you. I think that like fundamentally, a lot of these people are actually quite aligned. And often what we see is just a complete lack of skill, especially in the transition from like the bubble of what is being in a production to mm -hmm. then just normal day to day life. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. and that transition is any transition is hard. And then you're in yeah. this relationship that's been like 21 days old. And you're like, yeah. why are we fighting? And you're like, yeah. well, everyone is fighting. Yeah. So yeah. I agree with you. So there's a company out there that just started doing stuff. Like I'll send you, I'll send you the information. Yeah, that's amazing. I I I love reality TV. It's, I love it. Okay, so wow, we've digressed a lot. So let me come back to if someone is thinking about getting pregnant, you know, hypothetically asking for a friend, where do you recommend people start in their in their relationships in terms of prepping their relationship for the journey of becoming parents, whether that is from, you know, starting to try through mm -hmm. pregnancy, through birth, through like the first few years. And I know that I'm being vast in that question. So feel <laughs> free to answer that however you want. <laughs> I love that question. I think the first thing we have to start with in a relationship is, are we good? Mm -hmm. Right? So the first thing is the focus of, are we on the same page of how we want to live our lives? How are we focusing on our lives on a day-to-day, -day, on a given month? Are we working well together? How do we feel? Are we at a place of connection where that we have a strong enough bond that a shift will not break us? It might, you know, adjust us and pivot us a little bit, but not break us to the point where we lose ourselves. Because I see a lot that a lot of couples have kids either by accident, on purpose, but they're not ready um with each other you're not going to be ready to have the kid i'm just going to say that off the bat because each kid is different and you don't know what challenges are going to come from that 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 being that child and that mm -hmm. wonderful thing um but you need to be on the same page so how's your communication how's your love for each other how's your ex how do you how do you express yourselves are you good at talking to each other when it's hard are you validating? Are you understanding? Is there a safe and secure environment for me to talk to you how I feel when I feel it and be heard and understood? If I'm in a good enough place, right? Not perfect, but good enough place, then we can, let's try to have a kid. Also, the other thing is that we also have to realize that it's not so easy to have a kid. Just because you're starting, don't pressure because it could take two weeks of, you know, crazy sex to have a kid, or it could take six months to a year and a half. Because yeah. you have to figure out what is a woman's cycle, how does it work, um, right positions for a person, all these kind of things have to go into account. So don't make it so pressurized, like, oh, I want to have a kid right now. Let's do it. Ah, like, you know, and go nuts on the experience and the process. Appreciate the process. Enjoy the process. It's a point of connection and love. Now, sometimes the routine of sex being scheduled because of ovulation can feel a little less hot and sexy, um, make it hot and sexy. Enjoy yeah. I'm it. in the minority. I think scheduled sex is the best sex. So like, but I'm in the no, minority no, I think it's there. A, I, it's a great, no, as a relate, I do believe that there's a great place for that Yeah. in general, yeah. but I'm saying it's like, okay, we have a day. I don't care what mood you're in. 
we're having sex tonight. You know, like that experience can feel very pressurized. Yes. Is what I mean is that we have to make it more laid back and relaxed. And as well as I would really suggest women going to get checked for PCOS and fertility because PCOS is a, I don't know what it stands for. Um, but it, polycystic it, ovarian syndrome. It's funny because my wife's a dietitian and she especially specializes in PCOS and I don't know what it stands for. I pay attention as a husband. Um, <laughs> but in reality, it runs very high. It's like one in four to one in six women, or I think the numbers now are one in 10, um, might have PCOS. And that could put a delay on just the natural ability of having kids. So I think if you feel concerned or worried and you just want to prepare and plan, go to your OB, talk to them about what it means, how your body, what your body is, what your cycle is, learn all this stuff. So it isn't like, oh crap, we don't know what's happening with my body and we have so much pressure and now I feel guilty and ashamed. And so that's where I would start. Um, There are so many books on parenting. Don't read them all. What I mean by that is it doesn't matter at this point when you are just starting to plan or even pregnant because you don't actually have the kid yet. So it's all theoretical. So if you read What to Expect When Expecting by Sharon Mazel, which is like the Bible mm-hmm. of all parents, mm-hmm. a great book. It's really nice. And that helps with preparation and understanding certain stages of kids regarding what style of how to parent your kid. Wait till you have the kid. Talk about it with each other first before you read the 17 experts out there that are writing on it. And then Mm. you solidify, but don't include your partner. Mm. Make sure, and I'm talking to to women for a second, because women are more invested than men will ever be. It's a very unfortunate thing, which I'm trying to change. Um, That, which is like a societal thing. So good luck to me. Um, That, If you have an idea about parenting, bring your partner in. Don't finalize your thought and then tell them, this is what's happening. Bring them into the process of, here's what I'm thinking. I want to hear your thoughts. I trust you. Because if you're having a kid with somebody, you probably trust them just a little bit. We'd like to hope so. To hope so, right? So that's the the other thing. When it comes to once you have a kid, that's a totally different conversation, probably a whole nother two podcasts. Very fair. So what are some of the biggest uh, pitfalls during pregnancy that you have seen with couples? Um, I think a big thing that can come is expectations and resentment. So there's another shift or pivot that happens. When someone's pregnant, they are now different people. They're heavier for a beautiful reason. Their hormones are different for a beautiful reason. And they are not themselves the way that you have had the interactions with for however many months, years that you have been with them. You need to accept that that's a change. Mm -hmm. It's not who they always are and not who they always will be. Be patient and compassionate with them. So when it comes to expectations, the roles are going to shift differently. If your wife or partner has always done cooking or dishes or whatever things that they've done, I don't care. Maybe it's mowing the lawn. Let's throw the gender out, you know, roles. Yeah. Do whatever the hell they want to do. And now they're not. You just need to naturally pick up the slack and show up. You're needed. This is your time to shine. They're doing their role by growing a freaking human. 
Okay. Legitimately, it's the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. You need to show up for them in the way of keeping everything else as stable and as calm as you can. Have you seen differences in uh, queer couples in how they navigate this versus uh, a heterosexual couple? Yes. I think, and this is just anecdotal, I don't have research on of this. Of course, of course. I've worked with a, a, a few couples in the queer community. I feel like queer couples are more in tune to that than heterosexual couples. And I feel like the men in the relationship of a heterosexual couple get very sassy, resentful, and pissed off. Oh, but you're not the same, whatever it is, right? And, and some men have like a kinky thing for pregnant women and they get really into it and good for them. But I'm just talking about this, the day-to-day routine of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see the queer community being more like appreciative and more hmm. uh, in tune and more, yeah. um, now I'm making a general statement here, of course, person of course, to person, of couple to couple. But I do see that being more of like a thank you so much, appreciation, gratitude. Because who knew a world where that could exist kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. But in a heterosexual couple, it's kind of given that the wife's going to be pregnant and the man's, you know, like that, that structure. Right. I don't think it's as appreciative enough. And I, I know, I know for me, I'll, I'll be, you know, personal for a second. Yeah. Um, something that was a recurring struggle was that my wife thought I was be- resent, resenting her, resenting her for the change. When in reality, I was tired of doing more than I was used to. Not that I was upset at her for being pregnant. So when shifts happened, yeah, I had to be expressive to be like, hey, we're good. This is just different. You know, I'm not used to doing all the things around the house. Not that she didn't do anything. I want to be very clear. Yeah, no, When she could, she did. And when she couldn't, she didn't. Same yeah. thing like someone like I have a chronic illness. I have Crohn's. So when I was really not okay, my wife yeah. stepped up a lot more than, than she needed to. Right. Read the roles that she normally was used to in a day-to-day given structure. So yeah. that just happened to me. So it was just me being in tune to how I felt and not letting myself become resentful was the idea of trying to express, journal, talk about it, get it off my chest to not keep it in. Men are natural bottlers, which means we keep everything in more than express. It's like shaking a bottle of pick your favorite soda and you're going to implode or explode. And then there's room for more, but that whole time that you're shaking that bottle and it's building, you are becoming a pressure cooker and you're not fun to be around. You are not the person that you want to be. You need to learn to release that energy because it's it's natural to feel frustrated or annoyed of the change. It doesn't mean you need to get resentful of the change. That distinction is so, I I got goosebumps when you said that because having just gone through this broken foot shenanigan, I at one point thought that my partners were so mad at me and they looked at me like I had 18 heads when I said this because they were like, you broke your fucking foot. Like, what do you mean we're mad at you? Like, it's not like you decided to like climb a rock and like jump off it. You know, like you... You didn't do anything like it was an like this was a freak accident. Like, why would we be mad at you? And I reflected like, you know, it seems like you don't want to spend as much time with me. And I can just tell that you're like really stressed. And they both validated like we are really stressed. This is we have learned 
we just recently shifted from four people to three people in our in our family. Um, and so we adjusted to having three people around the house. And now just as when we were getting, you know, used to three, all of a sudden it's down to two. And it's still three people's shit. It's still three people's laundry. It's still mm-hmm. three people's dishes. And I was like, it must be me. I'm I'm the problem. It's me. They hate me. It's all I I hate myself now for breaking my foot, right? Like it was this whole cycle. And um, one of my partners was so clear with me and was like, listen, this idea, this perception that you're having of not wanting to spend as much time with you, I want to validate the part that is true, which is I don't want to lay in bed all day. And I want to be with you and I want to take care of you. I also want to play with the dog and I also want to make sure that the dishes are done. And I also want to make sure that I can work out and I also want to, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And I want to be with you. And right now you can't join me in those other things. And so, yeah, it has manifested in looking Mm. like me not wanting to spend as much time with you, but that's not because of you. Mm. And it was such a beautiful moment for me because it felt I felt safe enough to express this, right? And I was met with not like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like you should be right. Like I, I got validated in that, in that perception and experience mm-hmm. and also corrected yeah. in in my perception. Um, mm-hmm. and it sounds basically like what you're talking about with pregnancy, just that. with my foot. No, I was saying I felt the same way with my Crohn's. I used to feel extremely guilty that plans would have to be canceled. Yeah. Opportunities would be missed. Yep. Um, I still, to this day, we canceled a beautiful trip to Niagara Falls. My wife is huge into like, um, like these iconic views and uh, I forgot what they're called in reality. Like the like, wonders of the world? Yeah, those kind of things are like in like every city and, and state, yeah. like they have those iconic things. Um, I'm sure there's a better word for it that my brain always forgets. <laughs> and that's one of the things. Niagara Falls is, is pretty freaking iconic. Yeah, it's and beautiful. We were supposed to leave Friday morning and we and I woke up Friday morning in extreme <sighs> nausea and pain vomiting. Oh. And we had to cancel. And here's the thing, and, and I'll say this when it comes to relationships, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to these things. We need to be compassionate with ourselves that we have a thing that's causing that struggle as well as be compassionate to the other person to let them have their feelings because they are 100% validated to have those feelings that things did not go as planned. It doesn't mean that you are a problem, but the feelings are real. And it's this concept of this and that, like in, you know, DBT perspective of like, this can exist and that can exist at the same time. It doesn't mean they're conflicting each other, but is a true fact. I want to spend time with you. And I really don't want to be in bed with you all day, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I care about you, but, and I, I really just would like to have my life as well. Yeah. And those things are true. And I, I think when we have that perspective with parenting and with pregnancy, if we're able to have a this and that, not a but, because but is dismissive, yeah. a this and that perspective, it creates that two feelings, emotions, thoughts can live in the same world without it being a problem. I feel like I'm doing a lot and I know that you are growing a freaking human. <laughs> I feel overwhelmed and I really appreciate all you're doing. Right. Right. I feel like I'm doing nothing because I'm sitting on the couch pregnant. And I really 
would love to spend more time with you, right? We can have all those things in the same world. We just have to be compassionate to each part of that sentence for ourselves. And that to me was the hardest part for me was the guilt when I had chronic illness issues. Yeah, I'm in remission now. So that's really great. Mazel tov. Oh, thank you. It's been a long journey of since I was 17, 18. So oh. uh, it's been a long time. Um, Big mazel tov. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't mean I don't have my days of flare-ups, but it's rare. There was a time where I forgot what it was means to be healthy. But now I forget what it's like to be sick. Like that's like a, a huge shift. And I also will say each pregnancy, each kid is going to be a different struggle and bring out different things. A piece of advice is to be observant to the experience Mm. of what it brings out because you don't realize the power that you have when things hit the fan because you're not put in that situation most times. So pregnancy and parenting causes you to show up in ways that you've never needed to. And it shows you some powers that you have as well as cracks in your armor and weaknesses. It shows you you. It's one of the most pure experiences of showing you yourself is parenting. That's why it's so difficult and sucks sometimes when you like scream at your kid and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I yelling at my kid for they're two, they're one. Like being a kid. Yeah. Being a kid. It's like, oh, I got to, I got to focus on stuff in myself. So, so to me, that's really hard. And the other thing is, is uh, like, I didn't say it before I wrote it down, but didn't say it. Welcome to my ADHD brain. Um, (laughs) It's all over the place. It's a party in here. Hey, you wrote it down, so that's I know. a win. That's why, that's why I have a paper and pen always. Yeah. Um, is the idea that we, we need to learn how to communicate well with our person when things are hard. When things are easy, like, hey, I love you, babe. Hey, honey, you look great today. Oh, thanks so much for doing the dishes. Oh, like all the simple things that we do on a day-to-day basis. When things are rough, we need to learn how to speak to our person and, and how to um, express how we need to be spoken, how to be listened to. And that takes time and effort. And we're going to make mistakes and we're going to falter a little bit because we're not going to do it the right way every time. But when we finally hit that mark and understand it, it opens doors to be able to have that safe and secure communication, which we need, or we hold it all in and then scream at each other. The Honey Pot is more than the products in your bathroom cabinet. It's embracing that time of the month. It's staying balanced through the ups and downs, good sex and bad sex. It's exploring, it's learning, it's plant-derived. Powered by herbs and science, the first complete personal care system to get you what you need when you need it. Check out The Honey Pot at Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and on thehoneypot.co. You can enter code RACHEL20, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-0, for 20% off your first Honey Pot order on thehoneypot.co. It's interesting, you were talking about how, like, stereotypically and generally speaking, cis men often do this like bottling thing and then explode like a shaked soda can. Yeah. And in, in so much of my work, you know, I work with like a lot of queer folks, whether that's in their sexual orientation, their gender, um, Mm. their non-monogamy, like whatever the case may be, they're like part of the La Vie Boheme rent community, Mm. you know, like they're, they're not living inside of what society has said is like, this is the box of how we do stuff. And I think it's so, my thought just fell out of my head. Speaking of ADHD, like literally fell out of my head. 
What did, oh, oh, thank you. Yes. I have found that depending upon the relationship between the people, whether it's two, three, four, whatever that may be, there's usually someone, regardless of gender, that Mm -hmm. is stuffing. Yep. And I think it's always, it's always surprising to someone when it's not the cis man. Like I worked with a a triad that was all women Mm -hmm. and like each one had what we would consider like stereotypical traits of kind of all of the different gender Mm -hmm. (laughs) within that relationship. And so I think it's really interesting that like humans are humans and like, yes, we're conditioned in a certain way in our society, especially depending on where and how we grow up and like how impressed that is upon us. Mm -hmm. Um, But it happens with everybody. And so I can imagine that it's just as important for the person carrying the child and please correct me if I'm off here to also not stuff because that can't be healthy for what's going on physiologically either. A million times. Yes. And I will just add that there's another style called a brooder which is someone who is like um, a mouse on a, on a wheel, just thoughts readily available mm-hmm. to go. Right. So usually we call that the mental load. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where it's like, everything's kind of being shaken yeah. up here versus like being pushed down. And, you know, in the statistics, you know, and we have to take this with a grain of salt because we're, we're, we're taking studies that are not done for everyone. Right. So the studies yep. of the relationships have been done in, heterosexual relationships. Yeah. Uh, you know, the research done by Susan David and emotional agility, right? So I don't know if the research has been done from what it I'm hasn't. talking about, probably not, which is a disservice and a problem yeah. because that's a reality that we need to accept as relationships are progressing and we need to adjust and look at and, and reassess um, studies to, to yeah. include everyone. So I love that you added that. It's why I'm not the biggest fan, but still an iconic book, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus book. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's like my wife runs more like a men, the, the masculine reaction to things as a fixer. Well, I am someone who was more feminine in that perspective of being the feeler talker. Right. But yeah. I still also have my cave. Like I still do the cave thing where I need my isolation and quiet time yep. while she does it. Like, and, and everyone goes back and forth amongst those things. So just because Dr. Gray wrote that 50 years ago doesn't mean that's so realistic. But I do believe what you said, the person who is carrying, whether they're brooding or bottling, needs to get it out and express. And this is not just because of safety of the baby. It's also safety of the relationship and and, and the future of that relationship. Because if you don't talk about it, it's going to come out somehow, whether it's how you behave, it's how you interact how you talk to each other, the eye rolls, the the little body language things, or it's going to be in a big way, like an expression of intensity and aggression. And we don't want that. doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? We're not being, this is not all or nothing perspective, but we we don't want that for ourselves. It's not fun to feel feel all that and not have some, not have it out. It's the worst. It's the worst. worst. You know, I, I wonder that book, I agree with you, has so many things in it that are actually quite helpful and i wonder if someone could rewrite it with using like 
different names instead of like masculine feminine and instead mm -hmm. of man and woman like what if it was like yoda and luke you know like just like completely neutral i mean those are both whatever you know what i mean like completely <laughs> gender neutral like archetypes yes to be like this is like one type of general I'm person sure there are books like that like Not, i've but, read I've read a lot of books on on relationships, maybe too much for my bank account. My wife is not happy about that, but um, but in reality, they they have modernized. I haven't read them those ones of like the Men from Mars was updated yeah. in twenty you know nineteen or whatever it is. Yeah. The problem is like we need that. We need a yeah. book that's going to do that because there are archetypes of human beings that they fall right. into certain styles. Right. And, and we don't need to associate those styles with yeah. gender. I don't think we should because I think there are energies to everyone and styles that people kind of fall into. And, you know, so I might fall into a more emotional archetype versus a more fix it archetype. But it yep. doesn't mean I can't go back and forth depending on the situation. Right. right. So we also take that into account as well. But but we have to we have to really pay attention to that because that tells us what we need and how we interact with our relationships. Totally. And I think that like identifying, you know, having more of an emotional versus the fixer, right. As this like feminine thing is then it creates it a, a whole other line that... of, of questioning in oneself. Right. Like, yeah, it, it's just, Oh God, I wish we could go back in time and just like shake people and then have it like the stupid ripple thing. Effect. You know, he wrote it at a time where, first of all, he's divorced like two or three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that divorce is the end of the world. And no, 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 no. But just funny, like he's like the considered one of the experts of relationship archetypes. And, you know, just he had three failed relationships. Maybe he learned a lot. He learned a lot from his mistakes, I guess. Um, but in all reality, at that time, those were the structures of like men were like this only, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. not true. And women have to be like this, right? Because women are the talkers and the feelers. Not true either. Right. Right. So it's just it's a sad truth of the uh, just telling you a look into the times yeah. of yeah of what the structure was of how the vision and I think that was a disservice that happened to a lot of just for me as a, as a man um, the structure of being that style and if you're out of that style are you really a man right so that to me is a huge disservice that I I know I work with a lot of men. Yeah. Nowadays that that have struggled from that past trickle down effect of what that box was or what that structure archetype was. I don't know how we I got appreciate to this, but I love you. It. No, I love it too. I appreciate you bringing that up. I think it's really important because it to circle back to our topic, like there are things that are tra traditionally and I'm using air quotes for anyone listening. Um traditionally the non-pregnant person's role and then traditionally are the is the pregnant person's role and that's during pregnancy and after birth right yep. and i think that you know if we can get rid of this gendered language around these archetypes we could then get rid of the gendered language around that and it's like what do you want to do and what is what in your family works Right. Like if it works better for your family, for the person who gave birth to pump and one of the other parents or the other parent to 
use that breast milk in a bottle every day because the person who gave birth is going back to work and not taking maternity leave, then like, by all means, go for it. And like, why is that anti-feminist or right? Like it's. Oh, I agree with you. There's a long rant. If you want, I can have a long rant about this, but I know for, for me, I wanted so badly to connect with, especially my daughter, my first kid, there was like a, a crazy birth. Like there was an emergency C-section. Everyone's fine. It was all good, but it was really scary. Uh, even though it was like a, a normal, like the, her cord was around her neck, which is like a normal oh. thing that happens. But it, like, yeah. how would I know that? Terrifying. Um, I wanted, I, I felt very disconnected from my daughter. And I, I've been wanting to be a father since I was like 13, like since I was a teenager. Like I've always wanted to be a dad. Yeah. I felt so on the outs of mm. the relationship. Mm. I wanted to to breastfeed my daughter. Like I wanted to give her milk. Right. I wanted to hold the bottle, but I couldn't. My wife just wasn't producing the amount or whatever it was to be able to. It was just enough for her to be able to feed my child, to keep my child alive. So those moments, yes, was extremely tiring for my wife. And I, I am full of gratitude for her keeping our children alive and feeding them. Um, and wanting to feed them that way for what her she felt was important for her as a as a woman mm -hmm. and a mom to give to, to breastfeed and to each their own. There's no one way that's mm -hmm. right. I felt very out. Yeah. So it's not like I didn't do anything. I just couldn't. I was like, right. So I was like, every other opportunity I had, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna hold them. Yeah, I'm gonna take care of them. Yeah, I wanna cuddle with them. Yeah, I wanna put them to take a nap. So just funny how you see people go the opposite way, which they don't want to be involved at all anymore because they feel so out. So we have to be in tune to our needs as a parent and what we're looking yeah. for, what we're expecting and talking to our partners about those expectations and how you want to show up as a parent and how you want the other person to let go of something so that you can be a part of it and where you both fit in. When you figure out the roles of what you as a unit want to do for your child or children, that's all that matters. Not what society says, not what other people say. You have to do what works best for you, and you. but you need to express it. You have to tell the person, hey, I would really love to be able to bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, like put in your thing, right? Yep, yep. I really love changing diapers. I, I've never heard anyone say that, but if that's your thing, go for it. I did when I was younger. My My brother is about five years younger than me, and I was like, I will change his diaper whenever I can. And my parents were like, for you. okay. Okay. Please. Like, <laughs> sure. Please. Great. You deal with poop. Uh, yeah. Right? And so I was we, like, I'm like, amazing. You have to be care of that. You're, you probably were amazing. <laughs> okay, we have probably. to be, take into account what our skills are, yeah. what our abilities yeah. are, and what our expectations are, and making sure we voice that and be clear yeah. on that and understanding and compassionate to the other person just wanting to be involved or feeling that they are not involved and missing out or upset about that. Yeah. Oh, Ellie, this is so wonderful. I'm so grateful to have you. And I'm telling you, like the personal timing of this is just, um, I'm and now really we're grateful. best friends. So now yeah. you have me in your life whenever you need. Well, Hey, right back at you, right back yeah. at you. <laughs> is there anything that you want to leave everyone with before we tell them where to find you and how they can connect? Yeah. This, this process is, is a really scary, worrisome, unknown world to whoever's going into it. So whether you are planning to have kids or you're pregnant or you're about to have your kid or just in the beginning of the stage, you need to be patient with yourself to learn where you fit into this new reality. It's scary. It's worrisome. But here's the reality. A lot of people are going through it just the same time as you or even 
have been through it. So get a tribe, get a people who you trust. Ask your questions. Take them with a grain of salt because everyone has their own thing. So don't take it personally and uh, find out what works for you. And listen to this podcast because uh, it's the right conversation, you know? Hey, where can people find you, Ellie? I got a website, elliewineseenlcsw.com, Instagram, elliewineseen underscore LCSW, and my podcast, The Dude Therapist. I'm just a dude who's a therapist. That's what the podcast is. I'm not a therapist just for dudes. It was a catchy name because I don't have a cool last name, like right. So uh, <laughs> I had to come up with something. So I was a dude therapist. No, I love it. I think it's wonderful. And I'm excited to come on the show. And of course, friends, uh, Ellie's information will be in the show notes. Please reach out if you have any questions. I will also tag him on the promo reel for this on Instagram. I already tagged today that we were recording. Just, you know, hit him up. He's he's open to answering these things and is here for you too. Um, again, one of these therapists that like really wants to help and isn't on a pedestal, which I know so many of you come to me uh, thanking me for, and I just want you to know that there are more people like that out in the world. It is not just me, I promise. Um, and this is one of them. So Ellie, thank you so much for your time and expertise and for doing what you do in the world. Thanks for having me. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.